Hi, everybody. Welcome to Chicas in Class, the podcast. I am Janet with my partner in crime, Suleika. Say what's up, girl. Hey, y'all. Hola, hola. Yes, today we are so excited. We have a very special guest. I, I'm going to give you her whole background, but she is a published author of the first ever Spanish business book, She's a jefa. She's been featured on Telemundo, both Latina, Latinas in business. Um, she's just killing it. I'm going to butcher her last name for, for everybody listening. So that's on me. I should be a better Latina. But Ashley Soyano Ojeda. You say it. You're going to say it better than me. I want them to hear it from you. <laughs> All right. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ashley K. Stoyano Ojeda. I love it. So Ashley, I was just saying, so we're going to get into the book, but for some research, I just was looking at Latinos and entrepreneurship and what's going on in that world. And I had no idea this like startled me that the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs are Latinos. Yet only we get only 1% of any like capital investments from firms. Latinos are creating 80% of the new jobs. Um, in the world. So th that just blew my mind, which I think it makes your book so much more relevant. So before we get into my questions, tell us about your journey. Why did you write this book? How, how did you get to this point? Yeah, I mean, I will be honest. Well, first, let me say thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Um, thank you, everyone who's listening. Um, I will tell you that my journey has been very non-traditional and a little bit all over the place, but I think that is becoming a little bit of the new normal, um, especially for multi-passionate creative entrepreneurs like myself. Um, I started in the music industry. Um, I was very actively performing as a singer-songwriter and in a lot of failed bands, and I ended up majoring media communications in school because I wanted to learn how to make myself famous. That's the short version. Um, I quickly realized that it wasn't going to be as easy as I thought. <laughs> um, so I, um, you know, I took some jobs here and there and I actually unofficially started my first business while I was still in school, taking on freelance, freelance PR clients, writing for some media publications, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I officially started my first business, which was my nonprofit, Woman Crush Music, um, right after college, after I moved across the country to Portland, Oregon from New York City. And I really wanted to just create a resource of safe space, a uh, resource sharing um, community of like-minded women songwriters to kind of help each other create opportunities for, for ourselves in the, in the, in the music industry, which is very male dominated, right? Um, and that was many years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago. And I just learned so much as a first time founder and was really forced to learn so much because when I first started out, you know, the only thing I knew how to do was promote and promote, promote, promote. And so that's exactly what I did. And because I did that, we were able to grow to a very large community in the first year with over 10,000 people and wow. running 
running monthly events in over 15 international cities. Um, and that all sounds very nice on paper, but the truth is it was a little bit of a hot mess. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we were, we were getting a lot of traction and we were, you know, people were really interested in what we were doing, but the internal operations, there was no financial plan, no strategic plan. There was nothing because one, I had no idea what I was doing, but two, there was just no time it was because it was just go, 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 go all the time. And I, I realized at some point between year two and year three that I needed to set these, this foundation, um, you know, and really take a look at the business and the, and the business model and how we were going to keep surviving um, long term. And I think that not having this foundation which happens actually to a lot of people in their first business, which is why most people in their first business, they don't stick around for very long, but lessons learned um, is that, you know, I, that, that really stunted our growth a lot more than it helped. Um, it is inevitable at some point, because if you have a good idea and you're excited about it, you just want to go, 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 go and keep going. Um, but that is a fast track to, to burnout for, for everyone. And at this point, it was not just for me, it was for my team as well. Um, so I kind of took a good hard look at what we were doing, kind of saw what we could do better, saw what skills I needed to build within myself and with my team um, so that we can continue moving forward. And I did that. I ended up uh, at that same time I was working in community marketing for Yelp and I was applying all of those skills to my organization and kind of growing it that way and that's how I learned how to engage a community and bring in partners and things like that um, and I just continued on um, in the tech space I start I switched to a startup world though and that really helped me quite a bit in learning how to be resourceful and business development and all all the areas of of growing a business um and I did that and kind of threw my my pivot into tech startups and rebuilding my organization I found a love for teaching other people how to do that um, and that was kind of the start of when I at first was just coaching artists, artists who are like, I actually want to launch a blog or I want to launch some other kind of project. And I was like, okay, well, I can help you do that. I've done that before. Um, and that eventually turned into what I do now, which is being a, a thought partner, an advisor, a coach, a consultant, a strategist for small businesses and startups. Um, the new minority in particular is what I focus on. I work with many, many different Latina uh, business owners and founders, and it's just been a huge honor and, and privilege to be able to be a part of their journey. And that's really what inspired, uh, you know, this current phase of my life, which is being the author of, of Jefan Training. I love it. You said so many amazing things there. One that's sticking out in my head is this idea that you didn't necessarily know how to do all these things when you got started, right? You just like learned as you go, which comes with a lot of stress and hardship, I'm sure. So on your path as you began, like, what do you think the biggest lesson you learned and how did you move forward? Oh, well, one that I kind of just tackled recently was that you don't have to do everything alone. Um, and that can mean a lot of different things, right? That can mean 
delegating to a team member that can mean getting a mentor that can mean getting a coach um, that can mean a lot of different things but knowing that you're not expected to know everything and I think when I first started out I thought that not knowing everything meant that people were going to look at me and be like she's a failure she doesn't know what she's doing she's going to fail like this just isn't working and um that's not true. That's not true at all. No one knows everything and you cannot be expected. You cannot expect yourself to know everything. Um, that is, if I could go back in time and tell myself that, um, that's it. And if you have to start small, start small, like just picking up a book, you know, or listening to a podcast that in some way, shape or form is asking for help because you are calling upon these other people who you might not know, but you're absorbing information from them and not thinking, well, I have to just come up with this somehow out of nowhere. You know, you are accepting help from information. And if you have to start that way, start that way. Um, But that would be one, one huge lesson. Um, and if I could include one other one, I will definitely do that because it's an important one. It's one that I still haven't quite learned myself. Um, I'm working on it though. It's, it's the goal for this year is to not think that you have to work all the time. Um, ever since I started my first business, I have become 100% a workaholic. I am working on it. (laughs) I say that Oh, I've been saying that a lot recently. I'm working on not being a workaholic. And I'm yeah. like, that there is a problem with that statement. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, again, like when I first started out, I kind of had this mindset where if I wasn't working all the time, if I wasn't working on the, my project 24 seven, then I wasn't working hard enough and that I wasn't going to be able to achieve all the things that I'm going to achieve. But then burnout after burnout after burnout after burnout started happening and until actually right after I I finished writing if I'm training last year I hit probably the biggest phase of burnout that I had ever hit in my whole life and so going into this year and knowing how crazy things were going to be with the tour and promotion yeah. and then you know plus everything else I have going on I made a promise to myself that I would be better about managing my time and putting less expectations on myself and keeping my boundaries. I think that's very, very, very important. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for being candid about that. Cause I feel like sometimes the world and social media wants like the female hustler to be on all the time. It's like, no one ever talks about the importance of balance in your life. How could you possibly go 110 or 120 all the time right like we you have to pour into yourself so thank you for saying that because I feel like no one ever talks about that on social media everybody's like go 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 hustle wake up at 5 a.m blah 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 no no I mean if you're waking up at 5 a.m and then you're going to take a nap at 1 p.m like yes do that (laughs) do that yeah I think the other thing I heard you say that's so important is like perfection doesn't exist like when you're talking I'm just hearing it's all about progress right like you don't have to be perfect especially when you're starting something new um so thank you because those both of those things just like went straight to my heart because I need to to hear those I think so many people are going to be like yep yep me too progress over perfection for sure um so yes as I'm like diving through your book and we'll get 
into more of it. But one of the things, obviously, it's in Spanglish, which I love. Right? I always say I'm like fluent in Spanglish. I love it. I always say that I'm like my Spanish is a little bit ratata, but I'm really like Spanish. <laughs> I'm really fluent in Spanglish. Um, so, what made you want to write a book in Spanglish? Like, why specific? target the Latina obviously you are Latina but where did that inspiration come from um I was living in Miami when I wrote the book <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have to explain yeah that's more. true <laughs> um, we got it crystal clear. Uh, but no I mean you know aside from I I think I mean I grew up speaking a lot of Spanglish because that's just how I've always communicated with my mom you know um and then I moved to Miami and I started speaking to in Spanglish to what used to be like in New York. I had some some Latino friends, but not really a whole lot. But then when I moved to Miami, it was like, no, everybody was Latino over there. So you just that's it. It's either Spanglish or or nada, you know, so um, it really became very natural for me to communicate that way and. I realized that if I was going to write a book like this, that that was, I'm not the only one that feels like it's a natural thing or a natural way for us to communicate. And I wanted the book to make people feel comfortable. And I wanted the book to, to make people feel like they were home in, in some kind of way. Um, I write about it in my intro, but you know, one of the, the best experiences that I've had in the last few years was being able to co-create the Mujerista Network, which is the online community for, for Latinas, which is, um, you know, the sister company is the Mujerista, the digital publication, which has been around for quite some time now. Um, in that experience, I really, uh, I think I probably needed that community more than the people who were joining. <laughs> Um, because it was it was a rough time, right? It was the beginning of the pandemic. No one knew what was what. And, and in a way, we were all supporting each other through this really crazy and pivotal time for, for so many of us that it was the first place, because it was a digital space, that I felt at home. Um, it just made me feel so comfortable with, it didn't matter that I was speaking to most of these Latinas for the first time in my life, but I felt like I knew them for forever, forever. And I will never forget that feeling, right, of those first few meetings and and that feeling still when we have events that it just feels like we've known each other for, for such a long time. Um, but I wanted people to feel that feeling when they read the book. I don't want people to pick up Pippa and be like, oh, this is a business textbook. Like, I don't want to read this. Right. I want them to pick it up and be like, oh, it feels like I'm talking to my my prima or my best friend. And and thankfully, I mean, you can tell me now, how did you feel reading it? Did that, you feel like it was a textbook? No. Oh, no, no, no. That are, so we're like the perfect, I think, um, examples of this so we both did our MBA so we're used to reading business textbooks mm -hmm. I work in marketing uh so I'm very used to reading things that are just not fun but the tone of the book is so good um it's just like like you said it's like talking to your prima hearing from your tia your cousin but I was gonna say one of the things that I really enjoyed about 
your book is the quotes throughout, right? Like you're, there's quotes from Salma Hayek, Frida, like so many wonderful words. Where did, well, who inspires you? Like that, aside from the women that we've quoted, that you've quoted in the book, who in your life really is a hefa or who has made that impact? Because we talk a lot about that on Chicas in class, like the women um, that have impacted us. So I'm curious to see who, yeah. who's that woman for you. Um, so I have been very blessed in my life to have very strong matriarchs in my family. I actually dedicated my book to my two abuelitas, my, my abuelita in Mexico, who she passed away last year, and also my, my French grandma, my mimi, who I grew up with. Um, and so I, you know, growing up with them 100% shaped me into, into a lot of the person that I was able to be when I was first starting out. Um, but currently, um, my biggest inspiration is actually my mom. Um, I, I don't know if both of you got to see, but I actually published a piece. Well, Be Latina published a piece on my mom. Uh, last week, oh, I wrote, oh, I wrote a little amazing. essay. Yeah, that's so I, sweet. I have to yeah. check that out. Yes, I can send it to you guys, but um, I, um, I wrote it because I hired my mom just a few months ago in February to help me with my business. Um, And the whole article is about her journey because she actually hadn't really worked since she moved to the States. Like she had some odd jobs and she did seasonal coat check and a senior caretaker Mm -hmm. and bookkeeper. And like, she had all these jobs while she was raising my brother and I, um, and after the pandemic and after moving a little bit farther away from the city, um, she kind of didn't really know what to do. Um, and you know, now I'm 30 and married and she doesn't really have to worry about me. And my brother just recently moved out and today is his actually his last day of college. So she doesn't have to worry about him either now. Um, You know, she was kind of just trying to find her footing in the world, you know, at almost 70 years old. And she didn't really know what to do. And in February, I started brainstorming this. I, well, I've always wanted to host a retreat in Mexico, um, in Morelia, where my mom's from. And because I consider it like my second home and um, and I started thinking like now is the perfect time. It could be a HIF on training retreat. We could use the tools from the book. We could do business and cultural and all these things. But I knew that I didn't have the bandwidth to plan it. And if I wanted to make it happen this year, I had to plan it ASAP. So I started thinking about like, who would be my dream collaborator? I needed someone who was better at budgeting than me. I needed someone who was more detail oriented, who spoke Spanish, who knew how to negotiate. And then all of a sudden I was like, holy crap, that's my mom. She is my, (laughs) she is my dream collaborator. And like, she doesn't have anything else to do right now. She's just limpiando la casa 20 times. Like, you know, like I'm just going to call her up and offer her a job and, um, and yeah, and she's been working with me since then, but it's been, uh, it's been amazing. And she's just very inspiring to me because it's, it's hard enough as it is to reenter the workforce. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And that those fears and those pressures kind of just double or triple or quadruple when you're almost 70, mm-hmm. you think you don't speak English. Well, you haven't really had a lot of work experience in the last 30 years plus years you know and my mom just kind of uh 
took this opportunity without any hesitation and she learned and is learning all of these new skills um, because they're all new to her. She never had to use Zoom for work. She never had to use Google <laughs> Drive for work. She never even had to send a group email before, oh you know? And, yeah. and, and now she's doing all these things and she picked them up so fast that I'm like, man, like this is just, I'm... I'm so inspired by her and I just, I'm like, man, I knew I got these like HIFA vibes from somewhere and it's definitely from there. (laughs) I love that. I was just about to say like your, your mom passed on a lot of great like traits to you. She seems just like she's in it. She didn't have that experience. She's learning as she goes. I love that. That's HIFA mentality for sure. Um, So with that, I want to ask you, how do you define a HIFA? I feel like we just talked about a prime example, <laughs> but for our listeners, how else would you define a HIFA? Um, I think a HIFA is someone who knows how to inspire people, but can also allow herself to be inspired by other people. I love that. Wow. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah because that's true yeah for we're gonna we're gonna it'll be all over social but I love that because it's about like confidence right like a HIFA is confident in herself and her abilities but also like you said knowing when to ask help knowing when to build that community like real women help each other like we help each other fix our crown so Mm -hmm. I love that I love that um you talked about your mom which I'm a mama's girl through and through so that's saying to my heart um but I also I love like the values like the let the latin values that we have whether it's family right like you brought your mom into your business that's something that's so true and true for being a latina is that family connection how do you Mm -hmm. think those latin values and your mixed race because I know Mm -hmm. your father's french right Mm -hmm. so like how how do how is that experience um helped your view or like framed the way you think about stuff in business yeah I mean I so I grew up going to Mexico every year for like at least two or three months at a time and like yeah I mean that's just that was just my life it was no no summer camp no nothing you know (laughs) just you get out of school then you get on a plane to Mexico and you don't come back till September 4th (laughs) and then and then you go to school September 5th Uh, (laughs) but that that shaped me so much Um, I think especially you know the experiences that I had later on like while I was in high school when I was old enough to start kind of realizing um how privileged I was um and you know I I didn't grow up with money we were lower middle class at best but even then I saw the poverty in Mexico and I saw you know how people lived over there and I was just like I need to humble myself because (laughs) because this is this is it and I am extremely lucky that my mom decided to move to the states because she wanted her kids to have a shot at the American dream whatever that is um and I I bring those values into my business a lot and I think 
um, Mexicans are very, very hardworking people, but we are, we are also, and we are also very hospital, hospital people and that, you know, a stranger can come into your house and you will treat them like they are family and you will feed them and you will, you know, just, just be very welcoming towards them. And that's, that's how I run my business. Every new connection that I make, every person that I meet, you know, I, I treat them like I've known them for a long time. There's no, there's no gatekeeping with me. I think that a lot of people do that, um, especially when they mm-hmm. start to become successful. And that that's just not, not my vibe. It doesn't, it doesn't really fit with me. I would never want to do that. I love it. Yeah. You hit on like so many good ones. And I'm thinking like, all of those things are things we've talked about on the show. It's like the importance of, it's why we started mm-hmm. the show, right? To not gatekeep, to help other women learn things. That's why I'm so excited about your book. Um, I know we're getting to the end and you've given us like so many gems, like so many pieces of advice. I feel inspired. So I know that listeners are going to feel inspired too. Um, but I'm curious for someone starting who maybe doesn't think they can do this, how in this being like whatever their big dream is starting a business like starting a an organization like you said what would be one piece of advice that you would give them I think don't don't try to do it all at once and enjoy the journey like you know we we keep saying like progress over perfection I think that's um you know it might be a phrase that's overused but in this case I think it's very true um I think that every day if you do something even if it's the smallest thing like reach out to someone that you want to be your mentor or pick up a book or listen to a podcast or follow someone who inspires you on social media like those little things actually all add up to to what you want to do right um and i think doing that plus holding yourself accountable um to your goals, whatever those are, you know, I'm all about setting goals, but also acknowledging that if we have to readjust them, we can, um, because goals are just there to give us a direction. They're not rules. I love that. I I was going to say, I love the pages on goal setting. Uh, We love goal setting and you have the whole like smart goal, Um, everything in the book is like so practical, so useful. I'm super excited. We're going to be doing a giveaway for our listeners on our social media platforms, a signed copy of Hey Fun Training. I'm super excited for people to get their hands on it. Um, I'm so honored that you were on the show. Please tell our listeners where they can find you, what's next for you besides taking over the world. taking over the world slowly but surely (laughs) um (laughs) i'm working on some other projects right now which i can't really talk about but stay tuned on all the things um i have my newsletter which i just relaunched uh so definitely check that out um and you can find me on social media at ashley k sugano fokeda amazing thank you so much ashley like i said i feel like you dropped mad gems on this episode we're so excited to publish it um thank you for being with us for our listeners please follow us on social media read this episode more to come we'll be 
publishing this soon with some details on the contest on the contest so check this out and bye guys bye. Bye. thank you Thank mm-hmm. you.